This is Inside with Outsiders. I'm Jeremy Iscari. This is Ken Tanaka, a professional fly fisherman and YouTuber. How are you doing, Ken? Well, I, now that I, you say that, I wouldn't say that I'm a YouTuber because uh, <laughs> that kind of says that I make my living off of YouTube, and I hate to say that because uh, I'm, I'm not quite there yet, but uh, let's say that I have a YouTube channel. Let's go with that. He has a YouTube channel he makes money on. Not enough to live off of just yet. So I guess, you, but you're a professional fisherman. You make yes. full-time living on, on fishing. Yes. Well, that and uh, doing reviews on destinations. Uh, and where also do you do the reviews on? So like, where do you post them? On YouTube. He's a YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. Right, let's go with that. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I mean, you know, it's... I hate using the word influencer or, or of course YouTuber. it's way overdone. Yeah, it's it's you know, terrible. Yeah. Like, and so all these people think they're YouTubers and you know it's not that's not the case. So I know I was I was making jokes, but what so you actually you make a living fly fishing and then posting kind of like tutorial stuff or not tutorial but like recaps of what you caught, where you caught and so on? Not even that. I mean, it's I'm making it up as I go along because there was no, you know, I, I wasn't ever planning on doing this for a living. Right. So uh, it, it actually all came from accident. The YouTube channel came from accident. Now, when did that start? Uh, 2012. Oh, wow. So you're kind of in the start of the whole YouTube, yeah. YouTuber era. Yeah, yeah. Right? And um, so it all started from when I was in Minnesota. I was fishing at a lake, and I caught this giant muskie, and this woman that was jogging was like, hey, do you want me to help you? And I was like, no, I kind of got this <laughs> And she was like, well, do you want me to like record it or something? I was like, yeah. So I gave her my iPhone 1 or whatever it was at the time, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. And it was just a crappy video that she shot on the iPhone. And right. I posted it on YouTube, and I got a lot of questions. And it, it felt similar to blogging. And, and the funny thing is, is that, you know, when we were in New York, we do a lot of blogging, especially fashion and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. And it was very similar to that. Uh, and the funny thing is now they have the word vlogging. Right, know? yeah. And, and uh, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. You know? And they were like, oh, my God, what were you using? What kind of techniques? What kind of rod? Uh, just questions. And, and I really enjoyed kind of helping these people. Just off of one video, you started getting those questions? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, they, oh, my God, I didn't know what that was in there. What, first, it starts from you know, what kind of fish is that? How did you catch that? Right. You know, uh, well, What were you using? Uh, and at that time... I was kind of ignorant with the whole thing, so I kind of almost gave too much information, like, you know, where exactly I was and what exactly I was doing. And, and Why is that a bad thing? So uh, you have a lot of people that hate to, like, I guess called spot burn or, you know, and even if it's your local lake, you have some jackass on t on YouTube now yeah. It's just giving up your spot, you know. And so right. you have a and lot then of does that lead to overfishing in a specific area if you have a ton of followers? That could be a problem, right. you know what I mean? So you have yeah. to be kind of, well, now, especially, you know, uh, now that I have a, a bigger subscriber count and, and stuff like that. What you is know, your count currently? I have like 17,000. Oh, wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, so yeah. Um, 17,500. Right. And, uh, you know, it. now it's, I hate to make it sound like I have a responsibility, but, you know, there's fly fishermen out there that would be pissed if I gave out a certain mm -hmm. spot. You know, like I'm pretty general with it. Like if it's a famous river that you could... Google or, or yeah. read it in a book, and what's the difference, you know? But uh, some certain streams, they'll be pissed off. Well, you took you took me uh, fishing with you recently. Yes. And and fly fishing, my first time fishing properly, and it was first time was fly fishing, which happens to be the hardest form of fishing. right? Yes, uh, definitely. Um, definitely. Did you divulge where we were, like specifically? Yeah. Well, remember. that is a famous river. 
Yeah. And, and I fished there before. And so, you know, uh, most anybody could just Google that river. You know what I mean? Right. So I don't mind saying those kind of things. But if it's like a small stream that's not sustainable, you right. know, that's the kind of thing where... Uh, well, then you do have a responsibility in that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, um, I don't want it to be overcrowded or overfished. You know, right. th those kind of things could ruin a stream. So especially when you're just throwing it out there on social media. Right. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, you have, you have to be conscious of the environment, especially because you rely on it for your living too, kind of yeah. like the outsiders, right? Exactly. We, we, may, we need to make sure nature is healthy in order to be outdoors and enjoy it. It's yeah. Worse. yeah. And then that's the kind of thing also that now it's kind of evolved into, you yeah. know? I mean, like at first, like I said, I wasn't intending to do a YouTube channel or especially fishing for a living. You know, that wasn't my thing. Right. You know, and... Uh, so now that I'm going to these more exotic places and smaller spots and all that kind of stuff, you know, I just hear a lot of feedback yeah. from people like, oh, I'm glad you didn't say where you were on this. Trip. Right. Yeah. And stuff like that. And so I see and, and like you said, you know, being a steward for the outside, yeah. you know, and um, now it's kind of about teaching uh, responsibility and uh, how they could be a part of the community and then help uh, others, like for instance, the fish photo, you know, and, and people say now that social media kills more fish than, than ever because people want this perfect shot, you know, and take and the fish so out, much, of, take oh. the fish out of the water for too long, really? you know, yeah, or and there's all kinds of things. Some people go as far as even, you know, will snag the fish and just to get the photo and stuff like that, you know, and so I show how to properly take the photo without exposing it to the you know air for too long that kind of stuff and and st talk about conservation and yeah. what you could do and like who what groups that you could join and that kind of stuff and how'd you learn this information i mean through trial and error through yeah. years of experience you know and uh stuff like that and, and it's still a learning process for me right you know? um that's the kind of cool thing it never you never really stop learning about fly fishing you know it's kind of like the hardest for you take something simple and you do it the hardest way possible, right. you know? Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> that's what you told me that, because when we were heading up to go fishing, I was talking to you about a friend of mine who does deep sea fishing. Right. And basically everything is done for you, and you're just called up when the f fish is hooked, and you go up there and reel it in. Yes, yeah, and you're relying on, on instruments, uh, yeah. depth finders and, and fish finders and the whole thing, you know? Yeah, you're relying on technology to, to, to yeah. catch an animal, which... You of course. I mean, there's a good captain versus a bad captain, you right. know? I mean, you got to know where to go in the first place. Mm -hmm. You got to know, read the seas and read the everything, tides and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, uh, you know, fly fishing, even just casting, you saw, was hard. Oh, man, it was you know? a headache. <laughs> it was such a headache because, I, I mean, I'm not, it's my first time. And Yeah. The fact that you caught fish is well, amazing. Well, it's beginner's luck. It's beginner's luck, yeah. 100%, because otherwise, it, you know, it was pure luck, right? And I, and I told you, and I told you when I went out there, like, watch, I'm gonna catch fish because it's my first time. Yep. Okay, but here, here's the, here's what the thing, you know, it's like any sport. Yeah. If you're gonna be picked last in basketball when you're a kid, it's gonna be much harder for you to cast than if you're a good athlete, for instance. Mm -hmm. You know, doing anything, you know what I mean, athletic. Right. It's right. going to be more difficult if you're just not coordinated. For me, you know? and you're luckily coordinated, <laughs> and so, you know, for you, you picked it up very quick. And you caught fish. The frustrating part was when the lines got caught when the when the when I tangled my line when I broke the line like yeah. it's time consuming. Thank God that guy was what's his name? I want to shout him out. What's uh, uh, Jim? Jim. Yeah, Jim. Jim was there to like break the line, cut the line, retie the 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 fly. Yeah. 
all that stuff. Yeah. But if I had to do that on my own, I oh, probably yeah. would have cast three times that day. Well, there's people that go ten times without catching anything. You know. Yeah. Um, and I, I know I know some of those people personally. You know, right. I mean, was it uh, was the guy the guy tattoo artist that came with us? Big Steve. Uh, big Steve. Yeah. Big Steve is super knowledgeable about fishing. Yeah. Right? I mean, seemed that way. I, I'm not the expert. Yeah. And he catch a thing that day. Yeah. Well, that's that that I mean. So there are things that are luck. You know. So. Uh, it starts off that way. Yeah. And then there's little things that you can start targeting right. fish species wise and then right. location wise that make it much more highly skilled. And so, uh, and that's kind of what you're trying to seek is like the biggest fish or the hardest fish, you know, and right. uh, that's kind of where uh, well, I've kind of gone. I don't want to stray away from the fish conversation because I know that's really interesting and I want to talk more <laughs> about, wait, wait, I want to talk more about like where you've gone with the fishing and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But part of the reason I really want to interview you okay. is because you have multiple chapters in your life. You've lived many lives, lives right? So yeah, that's true. What I know of you, and you correct me if I'm wrong and fill in where I'm missing, you, you're originally from Virginia? Greensboro, North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. And you moved to New York to do film school, right? No. I went to Orlando to film school. Okay. Uh, after Orlando, I moved to Los Angeles for, with, you know, intentions well, of doing let, film. Let, let's rewind a little bit more. Were you born in the States? Or you, I was born you, in the States. Because your, your parents yeah. are Japanese. Yes. Second Ken generation, Tanaka. Second generation Japanese-American. Okay. Yeah. You're second generation Japanese-American. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you grew up in North Carolina? Greensboro, North Carolina, boy. What was that like? It was, was tough, it, it man. Was, were you like the only uh, non-white person there, or non? No, I mean, you know, it's not that quite sticky, but you know, it's uh, it was tough. I was yeah. a minority in redneck land, you know, and uh, it was uh, white and black, and uh, you know, maybe two Asians in the whole school, right. you know. I mean, I mean, it's more than two, but a handful. Yeah. Um, but I was a minority. Yeah. You know, and uh, I had no sides, so. Um, you know, I didn't really, uh, a lot of people are there are racist, plain and simple, yeah. you know, but uh, if anything, I, I was a minority, so I kind of sided with black people more, you know, yeah. and uh, so I was friends with the black people, I was friends with the white people, I was a soccer player, so I was, you know, that's kind of how I had my social bug, and the reason why I turned into a promoter, probably, you know, yeah. and I was promoting high school parties, you know, even. Really? So you were promoting back then? Oh, yeah. It's really funny, actually, somebody just started following me on, uh, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And was like, uh, oh no, I'm sorry, I take that back. Uh, I run a fly fishing uh, a Facebook group yeah. called like North Carolina Fly Fishing Community. And he started following it. And I saw that he's from Greensboro. So I messaged him, I was like, oh, you're from Greensboro, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm from Greensboro. He was like, yeah, I think I've been to one of your parties at your house before in high school. Really? <laughs> that's what he said. Jeez. So I was like, there, there you go. So, well, uh, you and I met in New York City Nightlife that's right. years ago, yeah. I think through uh, Ray Rush. Yes. And I met you and, and uh, Ruben yes. Arnada. Yeah. Um, that was chapter three. Oh, chapter no, chapter three. two of my life. So, what was, yeah. so chapter one was you went to school in Orlando for videography. Yeah. It, well, film and video. Film yeah. and video, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I moved to Los Angeles with, without a job or anything, with a degree, and just packed all my stuff and moved out there and just picked up the Hollywood Reporter. Okay. And went through everything in pre-production and sent my resume out and got a job that way. And uh, I was a boom operator on a Christian uh, <laughs> film. Yeah. What was that? I had to, it's probably never been seen, you know, but uh, yeah. I never saw it. 
Yeah. But, you know, I, I busted my ass on that uh, set, and somebody was like, hey, we're doing this next project, and you want to do this? You know? yeah. And then it just kind of went from there. And I uh, also did an internship at Atlas Entertainment, which is, uh, at that time, they did Three Kings and uh, some pretty big films. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was like a coffee bitch at that time, so right. uh, yeah, you know, I didn't do anything besides read scripts. And that was actually a funny thing is uh, reading scripts. You realize which is actually the worst ratio to, uh, I guess, get work, mm -hmm. uh, because you're literally sending in a script to a, a you know production company, and the intern reads it, and intern puts a summary in, and they might read the intern summary, and then pass on it or not. And actually, there's a famous story where an intern passed on being John Malkovich when I was there. Really? Yeah, and that's like a famous story because like this guy passed on it, but you know, some other production company made it because the intern just hated it. I mean, if you read the story, it's bananas. You right. know, like inside of the mind of, you know, you land on the Jersey Turnpike after you get spit out of yeah. the, you know. <laughs> If you read it, you'd be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, yeah. you know. And luckily Spike Jones kind of twisted into something great. But. Mm. but so after that, I moved to New York. Uh, and was doing film here, and then 9-11 hit. And so after that, the film industry died, and I was partying, mm. and that's when I met Ruben, and he was like, hey, man, you're coming to all my parties. Why don't you just work with me? And then it just, that snowballed into that, you know, so. This is like, you're being real big right now. So let's tell some stories. Oh, are you, are you allowed to on camera? Yeah, I probably can't, <laughs> probably can't tell stories, but, uh, yeah. you know. I mean, how long did you do it for? Almost a decade, you know, nine mm. years. Well, I'd say I was in New York for nine, so eight years of promoting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was because I was doing film and television for, uh, and I have some actually some funny film and television stories to tell you the truth. I mean, <laughs> I worked on the set of Spider Man, which uh, ultimately got me arrested. What? For, yeah, that's actually another whole story. But okay. <laughs> um, you want to hear that story? Yeah. So uh, you know, I was working on the set of Spider Man and Law and Order and some cool stuff. You know, before 9/11, and uh, that was going really well. And um, like I said, the whole thing changed after 9/11. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I kind of had to scramble and shift. But you know what? What made me realize. I guessed with the whole fishing thing. It's like, I was like, look, man, I, I moved to Los Angeles with a resume from college and made it, you know? Right. Uh, but there's, we're I'm, skipping some steps, though, because I know you, you dove into professional fishermen, and, but you, yeah. you went from nightlife, which you obviously needed to leave and change your path and yeah. graduate from that. Yeah. And um, you moved to Japan, right? I did. Well, so that marketing and stuff. So then nightlife kind of evolves into marketing eventually, right. you know, and PR and that kind of stuff. Right. So I was able to kind of kick that towards marketing and uh, stuff for a Japanese casino company. And uh, they needed somebody that could not only understand uh, Japanese, obviously, and uh, could translate for them uh, what they were kind of trying to accomplish. Yeah. So that's how I started working for this Japanese company, which took me to Japan for like three years. Gosh. So yeah, and then uh, I ended up switching to another casino gaming company in New Jersey, in Atlantic City. Which wait, that, yeah. so you okay? I remember you moved. So you know, yeah. you know how I, re I realized you moved to Japan is uh, you posted a video of you yourself in the middle of the earthquake. Oh yeah, yeah. And so I yeah, like, I was in. New York for 9-11 and then moved to Japan and was in the uh, earthquake tsunami. So, yeah. yeah. 
And then I came here on a vacation to do the New York Marathon, and Sandy hit here. Yeah, so I was in three pretty big natural disasters. Well, actually, one wasn't natural, but big disasters. Uh, We need to hurry this thing up, and I want to get him out of the building quick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't bring me that bad juju in here, man. Super real, dude. That's what people are like, hey, don't ever come to my hometown, ever. Ever. Meanwhile, I was like, yo, can I crash at your place? I'm like, sure. (laughs) Check my, like, fire alarms and stuff, carbon monoxide detector. Yeah, for real. Yeah, seriously. Um, It's probably a bigger disaster than that if I come. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Citywide, yeah, catastrophic. Um, so you you moved back to Jersey, worked in this, uh, worked for this casino gaming company. Yeah. Um, yeah. What what was the path from there? Well, it actually, before that, even when I first moved from Japan to America, I was working for a television company. I went back to TV. Yeah. For a little bit, and I was working for like a it was called Shop NBC. It's kind of like a QVC or HSN. Yeah. So it was like a shopping network live. So I was doing live television. Right. Uh, and I did that for a couple years, and uh, I just kind of got sick of that whole thing. And that's when the casino job came available. So I, I went at to what, that. At what point did you start uh, not fishing for for work, but like for fun? Where you? So I was fishing my whole life. Oh, you, okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, my my father, my first memories were fishing with mm-hmm. my father, kind of thing. Uh, and then in high school, we would fish for bass with all my friends. Yeah. Uh, and I fought fly fishing back then. I thought it was like a old man sport, right? A pompous sport. Why? Because they're, they're so on their high horse about like this. I mean, it just like is, man. Sport. You know, you have a stereotype in your mind of a sport. You yeah. don't think of uh, a dude dressed like this fly fishing. You think no, of an old right. man with yeah. a vest on. And the waders. Little, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that that was the image that I had. You know, and unfortunately, and it, to tell you the truth, at that time. You know, we didn't have social media, you know, we didn't have anything. Uh, <laughs> we didn't even have Internet in right. high school, you know, and when yeah. I was in high school, unfortunately. So uh, you just have what's in the magazine or what you see on TV, you know, yeah. that's all you really know. And uh, matter of fact, the first time that I went fly fishing, I was living in Minnesota at the time. What were you doing in Minnesota? That was when I was working for the television. Uh, oh, okay. Live television. In Minnesota, that's yeah. interesting. And that's uh, also where I kind of picked up fishing again, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. And actually, I started the YouTube channel as a conventional fishing channel. In other words, like I'm using uh, gear. Right. And lures and stuff. And um, my friend invited me to Montana and was like, hey, man, if you're going to come to Montana, you got to leave that gear shit. You can't bring that. You know, you got to mm-hmm. fly fish. And right. I was like, dude, I'm not... I'm not, that's not me, man. That's, yeah. that's an old man sport. And I said the same, I said it to him like that old man sport. It's a pompous sport. No, that's not me, man. And, you know, he was like, it's like, you can use my roommate stuff, blah, blah, blah. I was like, fine. I fought it. You know, I was yeah. like, fine. I'll, you know, I'll do a fly fish. And we went to, uh, I'll never forget this. We went to the first fly shop and he handed me this tiny little thing you know, microscopic. And I was like, what the hell am I going to catch with this thing? Right. You know? He was like, oh, man, you just tie it on to the back of the hook of the hopper and you put it on to... And then I was thinking to myself, I was like, Hold on, you want me to tie this lure to the end of that lure's hook? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That'll never work. Right. Obviously, I didn't say that to his face. But you know, <laughs> in my mind, I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We get to the river, and I didn't even know how epic this experience was at the time. I was on the Madison River in Montana, you know, in the water. And that's when it kind of started sinking in a little bit that I'm like, holy crap, this is awesome. You know, right. like, the, the scenery is awesome. I'm in the river. I 
couple casts, I hook into the rainbow, and that was it, man. Like, instantly. Hooked, yeah. Yeah, I hate to pun use intended, that pun yeah. intended. Yeah, <laughs> pun intended. I was hooked from then on. And, I mean, I knew instantly <clears throat> that that was the way of fishing that I was going to do for the rest of my life. To the point really? where, oh, yeah, I just knew it right then. I was like, And you yes. already started your channel. Were you now switch your channel I, to I, being specifically it, fly fishing? So. On your way back. You did it on your way back. Oh, I mean, that instantly. Right. So that next day in the morning, I went straight to the fly shop. And I was like, okay, I want whatever it takes to fly. You know, I wasn't want the waders. I want the boots. I want fly rod, reel. You know, yeah. I bought everything right then. The next day. Man. And that was, I never touched, well, maybe twice after that. But I haven't touched it in, in, you know, over five years or seven years. And, you know, I haven't touched a conventional rod or whatever. But, yeah. So how did it progress into being your full-time living? Like, how long did that take? And how did you end up, like, where was that line you crossed where, like, oh, I can live on this? I don't think I still ever cross that line. <laughs> but I mean, I'm just, like I said, it's an, a revolving door and I'm kind of trying to make it up as I go along. Because there, you know, people ask me all the time, how did you do it? Or, how, you know, there, there is no formula. Right. You know, and. Uh, but it's, it's a big risk you take. You have two oh, kids. Oh, yeah. But it's not, family, it's know? not, like I said, it's not just a channel. You know, I have so many avenues. And that is all from the promoting, you know. Like, for instance, yeah. just to give you a small example, you know, the manufacturer I use is from Pablo, which was, you know, fa in fashion. I knew that he was in fashion in New York, so I asked him, who do you manufacture out of? You know, but mm. that, my manufacturer would have never been possible without my nightlife career, you know? Right. And, and being able to talk to these companies and make a deal with them uh, and, and you know, hit them with the, the statistics of marketing, you know, that couldn't have been done without the experience I had, you know? And uh, you know, people always ask me like, "Oh, how do you do this? How do you do that?" I was like, "Dude, it's forget it. You know, you have a better chance. I mean, there's not many fly fishermen out there that are doing what I do. So like, I can't even imitate somebody. You know, there's like a handful of us that are doing it for a living. And and to tell you the truth, most of those people are doing it as guides or something else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As and not really as a, a social media platform. So uh, you know, it's through the YouTube, through the destination stuff, through my sponsors. What's through. the destination stuff? So that kind of uh, started very small fry, you know? Like I was just going to the next spot. You know, so like for instance, it took, I was sucked in to fly fishing. You know, yeah. like, like I said, the next day I just knew this was what I was gonna do. So I, uh, on the way back, we were, you know, 20 some hour ride back from uh, Montana to Minnesota. I was like, I was listening to a podcast the whole way, 24 hours straight. Mm -hmm. I was asking my wife to Google where I could go fly fishing in Minnesota, you right. know, and ordered books on the way. Really? Yeah, dude, I had magazines, books. Every waking minute was fly fishing, you know. And my wife was like, is this going to be like this forever? You know, but, you know, <laughs> luckily it, it's died down, you know, where I'm not doing all that. I'm now trying to create that content, you right. know. But um, at that time I was working uh, the second shift, which was 2 o'clock to 11 o'clock. I would come home and uh, basically pass out, get up at 4.30, 4 o'clock to drive to Wisconsin to to fish there from five or like sun up to about noon, one o'clock, enough time to go home, shower, change, go to work. Matter of fact, I went straight from the stream to work once before. Did you have it, kids when you were doing this? No. no okay. No, 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 so. But I was doing that five days out of the week. Hmm. So I was going straight from two to 11, go home, sleep, straight to like four hours, 
straight to the stream, fish from. And like this is before you're making money on it. Before I was making money on it. Yeah, this was just for because I wanted to. What did your wife say? She was luckily at that time going to school, so she okay. wasn't. It wasn't really interrupting our time. Right. And I, I made a deal with her from the get go. I was like, look, man, you know, my, my days of going out are over. I don't go out. I don't hang out with the boys. I don't go drinking. I don't miss any of that. So I told her, I was like, look, man, you know, I don't go drinking. I don't hang out with the boys. I don't do anything. You got to give me the one thing, and that's fishing. You know? yeah. So she doesn't complain about that. I mean, right. sure, she, she does now because now I go for weeks at a time with the two kids. Right. But, uh, you know, she, she puts up with it, I guess. <laughs> so you started like, fishing nonstop for fun. Nonstop, man. And, when and then did it that was, I'm sorry? When did it change? When were you comfortable enough to take that risk? Oh, that dude, and what? I never was really comfortable. It was like, you know, I've, I took it as far as I could part time. Yeah. You know, I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I, I got to go all out, you know, and spend 100% of my time on it mm. and see what deals that I could come up with, see what partnerships I could make and, you know, right. that kind of thing. And uh, no, those kind of things you couldn't do or go on these trips every month, you know. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, that three years ago is when I quit my casino job. And, uh, but, I mean, now with two kids, man, I'm uh, thinking about going right back into that casino business. Really? I mean, you know. As, uh, well, you seem to be doing pretty well. I uh, mean, yeah, it you, is. You just picked me up in your nice new car. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's, uh, you know, it's different when my kids can start seeing and talking about it. Like, because, you know, he's, for instance, my father was well more well off than I am. You know, and he, my kids are seeing that and starting to talk about it a little bit. And then I'm like, ah, oh, you know, it's like, why don't you have that kind of, you know, why don't you buy us that? And I'm like, well, you know, because <laughs> I'm on yeah. a fly fishing salary and not doing some corporate stuff, you know. But, I mean, but then I, I switched, I flipped it on him and I was like, look, man, you know, my father wasn't there to take me on a trip right. or, or to read me a book every night. You know, and these are the kind of things I walk. My, I walk my son to school every morning. You know, right. it, yeah. now it's cold as hell, so I'm taking him, driving him to school. Right. But, you know, uh, and those are the kind of things that I could provide because I am working at home. Well, you know? What would your ideal situation be like? What would you envision be perfect and how would you make that happen? Like, what are the, the factors that would make that happen for you? So fly fishing has to go more mainstream, you know, um, in order for me to, to survive strictly off of like, let's say YouTube, like YouTube is such a, a, fly fishing is such a niche market that it'll never be millions of subscribers. Yeah, of but what if, what if you become, and maybe you are, like the, the only fly fisherman that people watch, right? Is there a big enough market because you're, no. the, you're the big, no? No, that's the thing, no. Really? Yeah, that, right, they estimate around, well they did estimate around four million fly fishermen up until the pandemic. They say that that almost doubled. Okay. Yeah. So better. Did, did you see an uptick on your uh, following? And that's the funny thing is uh, not necessarily. How about your I mean, competition? Uh, more competition is a, a popped up out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, that's another thing. You know, you have competition coming out of left field. You know, and, and there are women in the industry now that are huge influencers. You know, uh, fly fishing influencers. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You know, it's um, you have comedians that are kind of doing it like the comedy side of it. Right. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's just more competition all around. But, uh, you know, 
I'm pretty authentic with my stuff and I'm pretty uh, original a little bit. And like, so it all started just for me trying to adventure mm. and going on to the next place. And it just started locally. So for instance, I was in Minnesota, then I started going to Wisconsin. From Wisconsin, I'm like Googling where's the closest place I can go next, you right. know? And I don't care about driving. I will drive, I mean, for instance, this summer, I drove 7,300 miles in 11 days. Just rock climbing and fly fishing. But 7,300 miles in 11 days is bananas. Isn't that like back and forth cross country? Yeah, back and forth cross country. And that's three days of driving straight there and straight back yeah. to do that. You know, like I was driving 12 hour legs, would get there and then climb, rock climb. You know, it's insane. Yeah. And even like with my son. But you don't really sleep much. No. I mean, when, when no. we went fishing that one time, I was exhausted. I went to sleep. You stayed up until like, <laughs> till yeah. like three, four, five in the morning, woke up at seven, we were out, and the next day you did the same thing, and then again the day after. Yeah, well, that's that promoter life, man. Got me used to the no much sleep and. Uh, maybe your promoter life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know who you're hanging out with. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's, that took eight years of training of, <laughs> for that. Of killing brain cells. Yeah, yeah. the Olympics um, of partying, man. So I saw, I saw recently you went to, to Brazil. Yes. That looked amazing. I mean, what amazing. I liked most about it, you know, I'm not a big fisherman. We're supposed to go two days in a row. That one day was kind of slow. I got rained on, was freezing. I was like, you know what? You go. The <laughs> second day, I'm good. Felt a little bad. Shout out to uh, Dean Ricky. Yeah. He came yeah. out. He did. He did. Um, but yeah, I mean, the coolest part for that Brazil trip was the cultural stuff. You were with that the, uh, I guess, the tribe or whatever it was. Uh, so indigenous Brazilians, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Cayapo. Is, and that was in the Amazon? That was in Brazil. I, it, it wasn't <clears throat> the exact region of the Amazon, per yeah. se. It's kind of like the whole thing is kind of called the Amazon, but you, the Brazilian jungle. I mean, okay. in the middle of nowhere. Right. These guys have to travel six hours via boat to even get to a civilization. You know. Really? So, oh, yeah. So they live in a, in a little hut in the like a, just a chunk of jungle you know but how did you end up going there how did you know to go there so i work with a company called um untamed angling and okay. they they're the best in the in the biz and they have this unique experience where they what they do is they go into like a a place that isn't sustainable you know where they're killing the fish for cents on the dollar you know mm -hmm. and basically depriving their own resources and, and, you know, not surviving. But they go in there and they're like, hey, man, don't kill these fish. Catch and release these fish and then we'll pay you to use your native lands and you, we'll hire you to guide with us. So they work with these indigenous uh, communities to yeah. uh, make it sustainable and uh, give them work and everything. And it's an amazing experience and I had the same similar experience in Bolivia, which was actually even more primitive. Um, like the Bolivian co uh, community, the, the Chimane, didn't have any, uh, any way to get to the outside world. What they, do you mean? They, Why? Because they, don't, they didn't have a way to get to, like they, they couldn't go on a boat to the next community or anything. You know, that's it. They, all they knew was their jungle and their community. So when you came in, how did they respond to that? Oh, it was. I they've, mean, seen, they, they've seen. Of course, they've seen so, yeah. people. Yeah, um, and 
you know, they're wearing clothes, but it's like definitely thrift clothes, you know? Yeah, they're wearing like, like dirty 1986 Mets yeah. championship t-shirt. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Teams that didn't win the championship, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so tattered, dirty, you know, thrift clothes it looked like. Yeah. Um, but these people were just so different, man. So di- I mean, they're they're... You couldn't even. Were these people you're telling me that were different, even with like the way their, the way feet, their feet were built? Yes. Like t- w- explain that. That was really interesting. That's strange because they they've, they've evolved for their, yeah. their climate. They well they it, yeah I mean they're so their foot had like a bunion on like the the knuckle and it was much wider and they almost had a space in between each um, each toe and they used the toe almost like a hand because they're like gripping the rock. So we had felt boots on and still just busting our ass everywhere. But these guys were running through the water like nothing. Running through the jungle barefoot. Like, first of all, like, uh, I'm running on pebbles barefoot? Forget it, dude. Like, I'm walking like two steps. And I'm like, ah, you know? And these guys were just... And everything, they were like, oh, I need this. They would go running into the jungle, grab it, and make it real quick. You know? And, like, their bow and arrows were all made from vines and sticks. And, like precision accuracy with it yeah like it was insane to see you know like we we would get out of the boat to go fishing and i turned around and this dude just grabbed his arrow and was like pow and just blasted this fish like first shot you know and did you try that i, I regret not trying that you know and that, that was my first native experience yeah and i learned from that you know because like i was so focused on the fishing part that i was like i'm not hanging out with the natives i'm going fishing you know then now that I look back on it, I regret it. It was funny because your Brazil trip was much different. Yes. You, you got fully you know, engulfed in that culture. I learned, you, you got the, the tribal yeah. paint and everything. Yeah, I learned from my experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I went into the village and, you know, uh, took shots with them and hung out with them while they were doing painting and hung out with the kids. And uh, I, did you see the video? Like, so these kids were like, you know, first of all, they were like, would come out naked and then realize, like, oh, there's people around. So they put like, you know, like underwear on. <laughs> and they were playing with bullet ants. Do you know what that is? No. So a bullet ant is one of the most painful stings on the insect uh, world, period. Like top 10, top really? five. Yeah. And uh, these kids didn't care. They were playing with it. And, you know, I was like, oh, they were everywhere. And, you know, it was just different to see uh, different cultures. You know? yeah. and, and I learned, like I said, from the, the Bolivian experience. Uh, and that's the thing that I try to tell people. It's, you know, the, the fish story, you're going to forget about the fish story. You know, mm-hmm. it's the experience that yeah. you, you'll talk about forever. It's funny because we just recently announced our destination trips for Outsiders. Uh-huh. And people are thinking it's full of hiking and all these adventures. Like, we have a little of that. Yeah. But a lot of it has to do with, like, the cultural experience. Like, yeah. Getting to learn about the culture. Like, my thing is I love to travel. Yeah. And um, whenever I travel somewhere... Like I went to I went to Portugal and uh, I posted it on my Facebook like, hey, I'm in Portugal. Any recommendations? And I got a slew of recommendations, a lot of the same recommendations. And I took that list and I wrote. And now was a list I didn't go to anywhere. I didn't go to any of those places <laughs> because I know those are all tourist traps. Oh yeah, yeah. So I didn't something go, you read in I, a book. I, I took the, those places. I made sure I didn't go there. And I hit up some locals. And I'm like, where should I go? Yeah. And I ended up at this like <clears throat> this really cool. Uh, dive bar on a corner that was playing Motown music. I'm like, you go to Portugal, I hear Motown? I'm like, no, I, I go to Portugal, I hang out with locals, and it was all yeah. the locals hanging out. Yeah, yeah. Like, I want to go eat where, where the locals go eat on a Tuesday when yeah. you know, I want to cook. Like, yeah. That's the experience. So with the destination trips, 
you know, we do have some outdoor activities, but we also, you know, want to make sure we get a piece of that local culture. Like, Absolutely. Like in Sardinia, we might go um, eat where like this, this grandma's cooking for us. Nona is going to be cooking for us. So it's like okay. things like that. Yeah. So uh, I think for me, like you said, that's a huge portion of making great memories. Oh, yeah. 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 Those are the things you'll be talking about for the for, on that trip. Those are yeah. the things you'll be talking about, mm -hmm. you know. Not the fact that you went to this statue thing, you know, that right. everybody's seen. You know, like, oh, you mean that statue? Yeah, I've seen that too. You know, that exactly. Kind of thing. I but, mean, you um, photos of that on the internet, but I can't taste her food on the internet. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, well, that's an experience that you can't really get, you know. Mm -hmm. um, besides knowing a local, you know, and that, I did the same kind of thing when I was in Bolivia. They, they, I was like, I want to go eat something. Yeah. And they were like, you know, oh, go to this. I was like, no, 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 no. I want to go to some underground, you know, they're cooking the stuff on the side of the road stuff. You exactly. Know? Which was actually really funny because the guy, I guess he's like kind of the fixer or something, you know, and uh, I called him and I was yeah. like, yo, where, where's a real place that I can go? Yeah. And he was like, I'll take you. Yeah. We went to this like, <laughs> like just dirt road where people were literally cooking on cinder blocks with like grates, you yeah, know? Yeah. And he was like, oh, you want it? Well, first of all, we ate uh, alligator. It was delicious. Uh, uh, and uh, chicharron. And um, he was like, do you want, I can't remember the word he used. And when I went to another restaurant, I saw piglet. Because he was like, it's a small animal like this. I was like, a piglet? He was like, is that what you call it in America? I was what? like, I guess so. I saw it on Guinea the menu. Pig? No, no, no. That's uh, Peru. Yeah. But um, no, like I said, I saw it on the menu yeah. before. So when he was like, it's a small animal like this big. And I was like, oh, it was a piglet. He was like, is that what you call it? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I saw it in the menu. Though. It's like small animal like this big, right? So he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like piglet? Okay, yeah, piglet. And it came out and clearly it was not a piglet. because was it? Oh, it, was a, it had an armored shell on it. And I was like, that's an armadillo, dude. <laughs> yeah. And, you know armadillos here they have like some kind of crazy like disease in america oh yeah like the plague or something <laughs> yeah. no i'm serious man like some crazy disease they have it like i can't remember what it is but it's something like the plague yeah <laughs> and um i was like hey, can i even eat that you know he's like yeah my kids love it you know and but it was delicious you know okay, yeah and now you know those are the kind of funny stories that i'm like dude i eat this pig you know and uh, I also relate that from Japan. Uh, oh. Well, China especially. China yeah. was worse. China was, uh, actually, I enjoyed eating. I ate, I ate crickets and grubs. They're fried. In, in, They're pretty in good. In China. In China. Yeah. In Japan. No, Japan. No, in Japan. <laughs> Japan, I was eating ramen all the time. And I did go to, <laughs> I did go to, the crazy story was I did go to a, a sushi spot that had the conveyor belt, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we weren't, we decided to make a game It's like out the of Walmart it. of sushi, but all right, you know. Pretty much. <laughs> Whatever. We were Shibuya. You want. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> So the game was, I was there with my friend JB. I got to choose what he ate, and Ooh, he chose what I ate. That could be a so turn. So if it was moving, had legs or eyes, we were eating that thing. Yeah, that could turn sideways really quickly. It <laughs> did, but it was, some of the stuff was actually pretty good. Like yeah. Some of the stuff I wouldn't normally touch because it looked creepy. Oh, yeah. It was delicious. Yeah. And then when I went to Japan last, I went to Hokkaido right before the pandemic. Uh -huh. <clears throat> and anytime we stopped at a Lawson's or a 7-Eleven, which is like the same thing, yeah. I just try to find the... It became a game. People realized that I was doing this. And then it was like, let's pick out the weirdest thing and see if Jeremy's going to eat it. Okay. And I did. I ate some great stuff. Yeah. You know, it's, well, they have like, you know, octopus jerky and like yeah. weird stuff like that. Actually, one of, the weird, one of the things I ate, and it wasn't weird at all. It was very Americanized. But the way they did it, is, it was interesting. It was, it was like a little packet of uh, 
It looked like an English muffin packet, right? But it's not English muffins. It's a little pancakes sandwich, but inside is like Meat. maple syrup gel and, and, and butter gel inside. So you eat like a sandwich. It's just like pancakes. Oh, it's, okay. It's I, like a, a McGriddle. It was delicious. But it was like syrupy inside. It wasn't just like the taste of it. It was yeah, actually yeah, yeah. like you bite into it and it was syrup inside. Huh, yeah. If they had that here, I'd be a fat ass. It was yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah, amazing. so... Yeah, that's the one thing I miss about living in Japan was the food, man. This food is just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've eaten some, if I told you some of the stuff that I've eaten, you'd be like, what? Yeah. What'd you eat? Oh, man, you name it, a raw chicken, raw chicken livers, raw chicken hearts, beef, raw beef, raw everything, man. You right. know, pork, raw pork. Really? Yeah. Did you get the plate from that? <laughs> no, yeah. No, but that's the thing is like, you know, they don't do factory farming there, you know, and it's 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 probably killed that day. You know what I mean? It's right. fresh. Right. And uh, I mean, I've eaten raw horse. Us. I've eaten beef, raw beef tendons, like arteries, uh, raw kangaroo, ostrich, camel. Well, have you eaten anything cooked? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, so the, I went to this one restaurant where a lot of that stuff was from this one place. And it was a Japanese chef uh, that did a lot of French techniques and Italian techniques because he, he worked in France as a yeah, chef. Yeah, there's a lot of like beef tartare, there's raw horse meat, there's that sort of yes. stuff as well. So yeah. what you're saying, it didn't surprise me too much. Yeah. But raw pork surprised me, raw chicken surprised me. Yeah, well, that's just because we only know it as salmonella here. Right, you know exactly. I mean? Yeah, and we know it as something that could get you sick. Yeah. Um, but over there, they just eat everything raw, so it's not that big of a deal, you know. So... Uh, this guy was so amazed that, because rabbit is something that we don't eat in Japan. Really? Yeah. And so he, when the French were cooking rabbit, he was like, this is incredible, you know? And he was like, if this is incredible, what else am I missing out on? You know, and so he started to branch out, you know, try to cook with ostrich or kangaroo yeah. or, you know, camel. camel. Yeah. And using French and Japanese seasoning with French techniques, and it was just like... You gotta let me know where this is, because when I go back to Japan, I want to try this spot. It was unbelievable. I had so many dishes there, I was like, what? That is incredible, you know, like raw beef arteries. <laughs> it's like, raw beef arteries. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So we talked about your three kind of Industries, right? Yeah. More, more or less, uh, club stuff, film, uh, casino, and fishing. Is there a common theme or common uh, commonality, similarities between all three? Besides it being like really hard to even get into in the first place, you know, like the nightclub thing. You know, I don't even know how I fell into that. But I made the best of it, yeah. you know, and uh, same with. And that's not easy. It's no, not easy. You can't, it's not I mean, easy. To make it, to do full time is you hard. Can't, you can't just get into that. Nope. Something you can't just get into. And uh, the fly fishing, like I said, I didn't really want to get into that, you know, so they kind of fell into that. But well, now. No, I disagree. You said you didn't, want it, you didn't want to, but then you you didn't have, you had such an urge to have it afterwards. It was like, yeah. it was like one extreme to the next. You didn't want it, and then you couldn't have enough of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't want to get into the industry. I, like when I first started, I was like, oh, I want to be a professional fly fisherman. Right? Right. You know, I want to make a living off of this. That never crossed my mind, you know. Uh, but now the funny thing is, is that uh, my next venture is going to be rock climbing. You know, really? like I'm, I'm telling you now, like I'm going to eventually be, I guess, a professional rock climber. No doubt. Really? Yeah. I, I put and so that's what are your, harder. 
yeah. because of my age and the skill set involved is much harder, you know, and that's something, another thing that you can't just dive into and fake the funk, you know, right. you have to be, I mean, there's a lot of people that fake the funk in the fly fishing industry, you know, you'd be the you next could, free solo. You could have, no, I'm not ever doing that, <laughs> but, um, yeah. And this is also something that I'm doing with my family, you know, like my son rock climbs, my daughter. Yeah, rock I, saw, climbs. I, you, I saw, I told you on the way here, I think it's beautiful that you do rock climbing with your family, yeah, a family climb day. I saw that. Yeah. Like, wow, that's, that's, yeah. that's amazing. That's the one thing that we all do. You know, they, I, I can't take my son fishing yet. He's six. So, um, but I mean, I, I have, but right. he can't go on a week adventure with me, right. you know? Um, and the funny thing is I've, I've already taken on a crazy adventure already. Like we were in Richmond and we drove, we left our place at three or two in the morning, drove all the way to Boone, North Carolina, climbed from nine o'clock. That's like a five hour drive. We climbed from nine o'clock till basically four, five fished from four to around seven and then drove home. And he was a trooper through the whole thing. And I was like, okay, if you could do that with me, I think you're ready for this. That's the test. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm actually talking about taking him out west next year and he'll be you know seven by that point so i think he's ready i mean you know, i'm not gonna f fly fish all day obviously but uh right. I'm, I'm gonna take him out there and, and give Just from him experience it could be a long day yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's why i'm saying you know like he's six i'm not gonna by the way take I, a, a, it was a beautiful day to start and then all of a sudden in the afternoon we got pissed on yeah okay. it was it was like a torrential storm all of a sudden hit us and i thought the boat was gonna fill up and we're gonna <laughs> watch too many movies but yeah yeah it was it was bad um uh, what is was is there a dream that you've yet to achieve you seem to be one to kind of live for the moment and i do yeah. you know um and i think the whole experience taught me that anything's possible man you know, dude, I was a minority kid from North Carolina. Like I said, moved to LA and made it. Moved to New York, made it. You know, and, and uh, been able to switch careers, made it. You know, and, and now I'm trying to pivot into rock climbing. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm gonna make it. And because I'm gonna make no, it. I happen. believe you will. Yeah. My my next question to you is, you pivot a lot, but do you feel like it's because you you get bored and you need to go to the next thing? No, you know, I, I kind of love when people are like you can't do that. Like, what are you talking about right now? Right, but I'm you saying know? you've achieved it, but then do you think it'll stop you from achieving, like, the highest, you'd be the, the MJ, the Michael Jordan of, of fishing, and, and you're prevented, you could be that, but then you're prevented from doing that because you want to try something else? That's a possibility. That's yeah. a possibility. I would never like say that. I'll never, is, you know? I'll never give up fly fishing. Never. You know, right. like, that's still my f number one passion. If, I, if you were telling me that I'm going to rock climb or fly fish, I'm quitting rock climbing, you know? Um, so your current dream is to be a cl uh, rock climber. I'm gonna make it in an industry. Okay. Yeah. You know, and then this this goes from. I tell you what what changed my life was when I was in New York. Uh, Neil, Doctor Neil is what I called him. I don't even know his last name right now, but uh, I'm drawing a blank. <clears throat> but he was promoting a osteopathic manipulation, uh, like um, he was doing osteopathic manipulation. Anyone like chiropractic sort of stuff? Well, it's kind of like chiropractic, but you have to ha you have to be licensed doctor to do it. It's not just like a chiropractic thing. Right. And it's kind of like forced yoga slash chiropractic where you do mess with your alignment, you know. And he was like assessing my body and was like, you know, oh, you know, you have something right here, and he'd be like, 
hold your elbow and cross your legs. And he would lean on me and all of a sudden he'd be like, crack. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then he, he, he explained it to me right then. He was like, what did you do when you were younger? And when I was younger, I played soccer for two different teams, very high level. And, you know, I skateboarded active every day. And he was like, what do you do now? I was like, I don't know, I go to the gym maybe once a week, lift some weights. He's like, he's like your, your body's going through withdrawal. I was like, what do you mean? You know, he's like, well, first of all, you get no sleep. You, you, at that time, I, I think I was a still smoker, you know, and I was a drinker. He's like, you, you replaced serotonin with uh, drugs and alcohol. You know, you, you don't sleep, you know, and your body is a, a wreck right now. And you're replacing it with the synthetics, basically. Right. And your body is used to an extreme level of serotonin and endorphins because of your activity. And now you're doing nothing. And I was like, huh. And I never thought of it like that. And he was like, took out his prescription pad. And I was like, oh, he's going to write me some drugs right now. <laughs> and he was like, I looked at it and it was like yoga three times a week, cardio three times. I was like, what? Yeah. You know? And I, I took it seriously. Because like what he said kind of made sense mm -hmm. you know I was like huh uh, and then so I did some yoga let me tell you something that was like at that time I was like I found the best thing ever it's like dude there's like hot women in here <laughs> all in shape in compromising positions with tight tights on dude, awesome. you're about to get canceled yeah, yeah. <laughs> with those Whatever. comments on YouTube hey, <laughs> yeah you know hey man I'm appreciating life man you know <laughs> so um yeah was, uh, and then uh, you know, I ran for the first time on a treadmill. I've never done that. Okay, okay, I take that back. When I got out of college, there was a fat Ken stage where I was literally fat. I don't believe it. Oh, I'll, show I'll, you. I'll show you a picture later. Hey, can you send me that picture? Let's put it on the uh, on the video. Yeah, I was over a buck 80, you know? So I was over 30 more pounds than I am now. Okay. And, you know, I definitely had chubby face, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and people were like, yo, man, you're you're fat. You know, and I was like, what? You know, so in L.A., when I first got there, I was I did like join a gym for the first time and did an elliptical. So I lost the weight. Yeah. And then that wasn't hard. I was working, you know, crazy hours at that time. So I wasn't doing anything, you know, so I lost the weight pretty quickly. But anyway, point of the matter is he you know, he's like cardio three times a week and I ran on the treadmill. And I ran for uh, over an hour, and I ran 10 miles. And I was like, holy crap, I ran 10 miles. But then I thought about it, like, we used to play soccer. We would play two games on the weekend. And, you know, that's 90 minutes each game. And I would be on the field the whole time. And so I was like, wow, man, I used to run for two games, like three hours. So I was like, I'm going to let me run a couple hours. And I ran 20 miles. And I was like, oh, crap, that's, that's a marathon. Almost. I'm, I'm going to join a marathon. So after that, I ran a marathon. And then I turned into an endurance. And this was all during New York, by the way. Really? Yeah. While you were working in clubs? While I was working in clubs, man. Yeah. And uh, I would turn into an endurance athlete, you know. And like I, I was like, oh, my God, I just did a marathon. And that was another thing. They were like, you can't run a freaking marathon, you know. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll show you how to run yeah. a marathon, you know. And uh, after that, I was like, I'm going to run a triathlon. And I'll never forget that either because... You know, I did an Olympic, which is a mile swim, 26-mile bike, and six-mile run, 24-mile mm -hmm. bike. Anyway, it was around there. The, the mile swim, I've never swam in my life, like, laps, like, frolicked in the pool and did cannonballs off the <laughs> diving board, you know, that kind of thing, but never exercised in the freaking water, yeah. you know? And this is a New York sports club pool, 
you, you know, told me a story, maybe yeah. 30 yards, yeah. not even, you know, I jump in and I'm like, <laughs> Michael Phelps in it. Next thing I know, I get to the other side. I was like, oh, <gasps> now I was like, what did I just sign up for? Yeah. There's no way I'm making it a mile, you know, and I psyched myself out, you know, and, and then I was like, you know, screw this. And I just swam and got to the point where I could swim a mile and then I could swim for hours. And then eventually, you know, after I did several triathlons, I did the New York triathlon, the LA triathlon, and another triathlon in Richmond. And uh, I was kind of headed towards that triathlon path. But then, you know, uh, that incident where I was signed up for the marathon in New York City, and then the Sandy yeah. thing canceled it. So I wasted my entire summer in Minnesota training for this marathon, you know, and then it didn't happen. So I was like, I wasted it. Summertime in Minnesota is precious. Right. You have like two weeks of it, you know. Yeah. So uh, the next thing I know, um, I was like, man, screw that. I'm not training ever, you know. And, right. and I ran the next marathon with zero training and uh, food poisoning. It took me eight hours. Eight hours? 26 shits later. Yeah. <laughs> I took a crap at every mile marker. And matter of fact, I did 27 <laughs> because it was one time I couldn't run to the next mile marker where there was bathroom. So I had to go into a pizza joint. And I thought I was going to shit in the Verrazano <laughs> Bridge in front of 30,000 people, in front of helicopters. And I was like, I got to go right now. And I was just pinching cheeks and just running. But anyway, yeah. I think so. we just found our reel for this video. <laughs> <laughs> That's the promo for it. Oh, man. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, yeah. Hey, I didn't crap my pants, though. So I guess we'll that cut was, that out. Yeah. Right, so yeah. <laughs> That's a terrible story, but I'm glad you didn't shit yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I guess I like the challenge, you know? Yeah. I, I like the challenge. And now... It's obvious because the only thing that motivates you is someone who says you can't do something. Well, I almost say it when it's impossible to myself. You know, you know? what I'm going like, to tell you? Like, dude, It's impossible for you to launch Outsiders in Richmond. I told you. I'm, I'm down with that. I told you that. So, you know, like, there? even I... <laughs> <laughs> Even I can't imagine me being a professional rock climber, but yeah. I know my passion enough that, dude, I'm at the, I'm climbing over five days a week, twice a week, some, you know, because uh, I'll go in the morning, and this is the kind of dedication. I'll go at five o'clock in the morning, you know, waking up five o'clock in the morning to be at the gym from six to seven, come home, walk my kids to school, then go back to the gym, train more, you know, that kind of. I'm gonna have to introduce you to one of the outsider staff members. He also is a manager in nightlife as well. So you guys get along really well. Uh, mm -hmm. He's a, an average climber, the guy does. Oh yeah? He climbs for his workout, climbs every day. Yeah, yeah. His name is Max Moore, I'll connect you guys. Okay, yeah. I mean, uh, for instance, you know, like tomorrow morning before I leave to go back, I'm thinking about going rock climbing. Shoot <laughs> down the hill, well, yeah. that's why I, told, I showed yeah, you. Yeah, there you go. Um, <clears throat> There's a question I was just at dinner with some friends, and I mentioned the fact that I was going to interview okay, you, yeah. Professional Fisherman, and she had uh, a few questions. Some of them will be in our last segment, which is five rapid fire questions. But one question I didn't want to put in there, but she insists I asked um, Have you ever peed in your waders? No, <laughs> okay. I have not. Although I've definitely had some extreme emergency roadside poop sessions. That Poop sessions? Well, I mean, you know, dude, you're in the middle like, of nowhere. Yeah. And you got to go, man. So I've definitely just pulled over and shat in the woods before on the side of the road, but, but well, never in my pants. So, you know, hey, once again, that leads to I my next myself. question for you. What is your most embarrassing moment? <laughs> Ooh, 
I've never really had an embarrassing. No, moment. not like shitting twenty-seven times in a marathon. Yeah, but nobody knew about that till now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was embarrassed about that. Yeah, because uh, nobody knew about that. Yeah. I, oh, I'll tell you my most embarrassing moment. Uh, I was working the door, and uh, I was doing the doorman at a club. In case yeah, doorman at a club. And I was doing Anushka Shankar's album release party. Who's that? Anushka Shankar's Ravi Shankar. Do you know who Ravi Shankar is? Money guy? What? The money guy from... uh, Ravi Shankar is a a sitar player. And he was the one that was with the Beatles and like kind of got them in that whole sitar phase and like the Indian thing. Anyway, he's a super famous musician. And I got to meet Ravi Shankar, matter of fact. And Anushka Shankar was doing her album release party. And they were like, nobody come in, you know? And I was like, I got this, man. That's, I'm made for that, <laughs> you know? I was shitting on everybody. I was like, I can't get in here. Ravi Shankar came in. I was like, holy crap, man. This is a great to meet you kind of thing. And, you know, and then this woman comes up. And she was like, I'm here for Anushka's party. And I was like, all right, whatever. What's your name? She's like, Nora Jones. And I'm looking at the list. I was like, you're not on this Nora list. Nora Jones. And I was like. <laughs> the pop singer Nora Jones? It's like, beat it. Wow. Yeah. She was like, I'm her sister. And I was like, did you say your last name was Jones? It's like, beat it. She's a Shankar. Yeah. And then I got a call from the owner. It's like, what the hell are you doing, man? Do you know who that is? That's like sometime Grammy Award winner, Renora Jones. Get her inside. And I was like, she's saying her sister. It's like, dude, Google that. And I Googled it. And, you know, it was kind of like a side thing where that's how Nora Jones and she doesn't like to use that name so it's even more I didn't know they were related that's yeah. crazy and so it was more of an insult that I was like you're not even a Shankar get the hell out of here oh yeah. she was her face was like you piece of shit you know <laughs> and I was like ladies and gentlemen yeah. Ken Tanaka hold up we're not done yet shit all over Nora Jones yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um is there uh, let me see uh, is there a dream you've yet to achieve? I guess you kind of said that with climbing. Is there anything else? Uh, no, I mean, you know, my dream now is to uh, die before my kids, man. That's my that's the only thing that I ask because I don't think I'll be able to survive uh, life after oh, that's that, man. That's pretty dark, yeah, but I totally yeah. get that. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, you know, I, what I'm trying to say with that is not but die before. You know, I, I want... I want to see my kids live their life yeah, and, and, you know, yeah, and, and be successful with it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and uh, thrive, I guess. But, yeah. uh, Makes sense. Yeah. That's a good dream to have. Seems like uh, any yeah. parent's dream, right? Of course. Yeah, but that's what, you know, now it's not about me. Right. Really, it's about like trying to do the best for my kid, you know? So that's the dream, I guess, now. Um, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to share? Any fun facts about yourself or anything that you'd like to share with the audience? Do I want to share? <laughs> I mean, I can go ahead and share some information about you. Oh, but I won't do yeah, that. yeah. Um, no, I mean, not really. Unless you want me to go back to that Spider-Man story, which was actually a pretty good one. Yeah, you didn't tell us the story. Let's hear it. All right. So I was working on a set of Spider-Man, and I was working. That's what got you arrested, right? Yeah. Okay. I was working on the scene where uh, Tobey Maguire was wrestling at the beginning. And he got ripped off with the money, and that guy robbed him of the the money, and then yeah. killed his grandfather yes. or whatever it was, and then chased him down, and then kicked him out of the building. So that building um, was actually South Street Seaport area. I think it's a hotel now. 
The one that's over the at Beatman? the, I don't know, the one that's uh, right near Staten Island Ferry. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure. Oh, Cipriani's is in it. Okay. Yeah, Cipriani's is in it. Anyway, um, and they had fake money on there, and it was printed $50 on one side and 100 on the other, so it couldn't be counterfeit, okay? But it looked real enough where, you know, on film it looked real. So we took a stack of it and we were doing dumb shit like putting it on the sidewalk, and, you know, club time, and people were like, ah, diving off of it. We went to chaos and we threw it off the balcony. Really? Okay, oh yeah, it caused mayhem, you know. And we were doing that, you know, and actually it was me and Jake Phipps. I don't know if you remember him, he no. was in the promoter days. Anyway, uh, then one of my boys from college was visiting me. And you know, college days, it's all about pranking each other and all that kind of stuff, you know? So we would uh, do shit to each other. And, and so we, I was like, dude, you got it. This is the best thing ever. You know, we put this on the sidewalk and people are diving for this $100 bill, blah, blah, blah. So doing the same thing. I met Luan, oh, Luan. throwing money and yeah. Luan putting it everywhere and that kind of shit. And I was drunk at the end of the night and you know, paying for drinks and somehow one of those bills was in my pocket. And when I gave her the money, it was in there. And she was like, what's this? And clearly paper, you know, and I was like, oh shit. You know, I was like, that, I'm so sorry. That's like a prop money, you yeah. know? And, and I knew the whole thing in my head. I was like, oh, this is not gonna be good, you right. know? And I watched the whole thing happen where she got the, you know, securities like that dude over there. And I was like, oh shit, this is going down right now. So I tried to throw the money. Yeah. And they were like, oh, and then some other guy grabbed me. He's like, you trying to throw away evidence? And I was like, no, man, it's not like that. You know, we go outside and they're like, you know, what the hell you been doing? And I was like, look, man, I've been paying all night. He's like, they actually like, do you even have money? And I was like, dude, I got plenty of money. He's like, right. you know, I've been paying all night. I showed him my wallet and I was like, look, I got plenty of money. And he was like, boom, grabbed all my money from my wallet. He's like, get the hell out of here. And I was like, yo, you can't, you can't do that, man. He's like, you can either get out of here or we're going to call the cops. And I was like, screw you, man. I'm going to call the cops. You know, total drunkness talking. And they're like, you're making a big mistake, buddy. <laughs> and I was like, nah, man, screw you. you know? So I called the cops and uh, they immediately arrested me. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and I go to, of course, that was Chelsea District. So I go into this Chelsea uh, holding cell five transvestites <laughs> and they were like god i'll never forget so like i had like leather pants on with some like prada shoot and i looked like a total you know they were like are you gay and i was like no they're like you look gay I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no i'm not gay he's like, get off me yeah and then dude next thing i know I didn't know this, but i do now but the secret service is the people that deal with counterfeiting Oh, wow. And they were like, you know, uh, where did you get this money? And it was just like the movie, man. You know, like suits yeah. in a room. They're standing there. One guy's sitting there. You know, I was like, dude, this is why they have these movies, man. It's just <laughs> like this. And he was like, you know, where'd you get this money? And I was like, dude. I, and I told him the story, exact story. I told you, I was working on a set of Spider-Man. We're throwing out the And they would look at each other like, is this dude for real? You know, and I was like... Do you have any more of this money? And I was like, look, I got a little stack of it. He's like, if you don't bring this thing first thing Monday morning, we're going to bust down your door. And I was like, yeah, no problem. So, right. You know, I mean, it was all cleared because it was all BS. Wait, they gave you the weekend to bring fake money to them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They did it. <laughs> well, they had me in the cell, which was another part of the experience and story. So uh, I was in the cell. Uh, 
once again in these, you know, shoes and leather pants, tight shirt. I was not the place I wanted to be with that outfit. <laughs> and um, I got cracked on for that, obviously. And this guy I had at that time a watch on with this dude, this huge dude was in there. Clearly, you know, been there many times. Matter of fact, he was like, they were like, yo, man, I'm hungry, man. He was like, yo, chill out, man. They're going to bring you a bologna sandwich or a, a peanut butter sandwich in like five minutes. <laughs> sure shit enough. Five minutes later, he's like, who wants peanut butter? Who wants bologna? And I was like, dude, this guy knows the fucking menu. <laughs> you know? And uh, then he was like, hey, man, I want to talk to my lawyer. People start yelling. He's like, dude, man, we got to still go upstairs to the holding cell upstairs. That's when you talk to your lawyer. Right. And, uh, and then, so my lawyer, I called the lawyer from the, my the payphone, you know, and most of these guys were using public defenders, you know, and I called my lawyer. I was like, yo, you need to get me the hell out of here. So he came down there and, and to get me out. And then the, that guy was like, yo, how did you get your lawyer down here? I was like, I called him on the phone. Yeah. He's like, he's like, yo, can he represent me? He's like, yo, that, you got to pay for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's a big difference between your lawyer, and that lawyer. Yeah. And uh, he, so then he, you know, luckily, you know, the big honcho, in charge was sitting right next to me, you know, and uh, so nobody messed with me after that, you know. <laughs> but that was another thing. That guy also, before that though, he was like, Let me see your watch. And I was like, mm-hmm. He's like, No, 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 let me see it on my wrist. And I stood up and I was like, Look, man, I, no offense, but I know if I take this off and put it on your wrist, you probably won't give it back to me. He's like, Man, you lucky I didn't meet you 10 years ago. I would have killed you for that watch. Oh my God. And I was like, Oh my goodness, you know, and, and then so. Fast forward to club days mm-hmm. where uh, this dude was wilding out in the club, got into a fight, you know, and basically he went to the cops crying to the cops and told him a story that we pinned him down and, and were curb stomping him kind of thing, you know. And we clearly just punched him and broke his jaw and that was it. But, you know, he told the, the doctor that that's what ha- the real story. But yeah. then he told the lawyer that curb stomping story. So, you know, by the time that went to court, that got washed. But anyway, yeah. the point to that story is that I had to go to jail once again. Same place, you know, Center Street and uh, 24 hours holding kind of thing. And uh, this time, instead of like everybody's like, what did you do? What did you do? You know, at first I was like counterfeiting, then like, counterfeiting, ah, you know, like, what the hell are you doing? And this time it was assault to the second degree. And they're like, oh, yeah. And they thought that. And then they were like, yo, man, I'm hungry, man. I was like, yo, man, chill out, man. They're going to bring you a bologna sandwich, <laughs> peanut butter sandwich in like five minutes. And I was like, oh, dude, this dude knows what he's doing. Yeah. Same thing. He was like, yo, man, I'll talk to my lawyer. I was like, yo, man, you got to go upstairs. You got to talk to your lawyer upstairs, man, not down here. <laughs> oh, so, so then you became the knowledgeable dude. I was that guy. So who's watching you still? Do what? Who's watching? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what this is. No. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I had a rough time in New York. Those are great. Those are great moments. It was, you know, not proud moments. Those are the stories I was hoping we hear more of. But <laughs> we gotta start. We gotta start wrapping this up. And I yeah. have. Uh, I know you haven't watched a full episode yet, but the last, the last segment is a series of five rapid fire questions. Okay. That's exactly why I didn't. Watch. No, I, I didn't, want, I didn't want the experience. Exactly. I wanted the, the real experience, you know? So are you ready for these five rapid fire questions? I'm not saying I'm ready, but I, yeah, go ahead. Let's do All right. This. So what's your favorite city other than New York City? Tokyo. Tokyo. Okay. Yeah, but okay. I have a second part of that city. What's the coolest place you fished? Ooh, Bolivia. Bolivia. Yeah. Okay. No yeah. Yeah. 
Bolivia. Um, next question is species and experience. Both was Bolivia. I think you answered this question in conversation, but if you can do any other profession, what it would, what would oh, it be? That's rock climbing. Yeah. I know you got, answered that. Yeah. Uh, what is the most incredible fish you ever caught? Oh, incredible fish. Yes. Something that like will last in your memory forever. Like something that was jaw dropping for you. I'd have to say the Dorado, which was the Bolivia experience. Okay. Yeah. The Dorado. What was so special about it? Everything about it, man. It's uh, the way that you fish for it. You're, you're sight casting to it. It's, it's all about technique and, and skill rather yeah. than chance. You see the fish, you have to cast it right on. You have to tease this fly to make them eat it. And they hammer it. Mm. And it's just a fight from there. They're jumping in the air, and it's just an amazing fish to catch. Yeah, no doubt. I'd say the Dorado. What's your favorite fish to eat? Oof. That has to be tuna. Really? Oh, sushi. Yeah. 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 For tuna over salmon or, oh, or yeah. I mean, it, it toro probably you know yeah. the nice cut, but uh, raw, cooked probably the the belly of the salmon. Okay. Yeah, uh, shakehara is what they call it, the belly of the salmon. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, maybe food. yellow tail collar. That's pretty damn good. We have these Japanese food sometimes. Yeah, yeah I don't know. that's a tough one, man. You're asking a Japanese person to name his favorite fish. Right. That's tough. Man. Well, then, on another note, and the last question is, what's your favorite food? Oof. That has to be Japanese food, yeah, no doubt. What the hell? I told you to bring your favorite food for the show. It was the five, last five, five, five Yeah, but questions. I'm talking in Japan. No, I'm talking about know. in general, man. What's your favorite food, and what'd you bring today? Oh, yeah, well, that. <laughs> my favorite food in New York, so, you know, I've lived all over, like I mentioned. But the one thing that I can't get anywhere is a cat's deli pastrami sandwich. Cat's deli pastrami sandwich. Yeah. Okay. And that's the one thing that when I come to New York, I have to have it. And you know what was really funny is I was thinking about getting the halal truck. Yeah. Because that's another thing that I really can't get anywhere else. But it was it was a little too ghetto for me to get. It. Not, not only that, but like by the time we would have been eating here, it would have been like frozen, like gelatinous meat. Well, I don't know how good this is going to be, but by the time it's... But I'm saying that, you can eat cold. Yes, yeah. yes. But you can eat halal meat cold, too, but it's not... It's not the same thing. Yeah, yeah no. You're right. Yeah, but uh, you, there's not a pastrami sandwich that can come close... Let's see it. ...to pastrami. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't hold out. <laughs> First of all, have you had cats before? Yes, I have. Oh, okay. I have. I haven't had it in a long time. I was going to say, because you were like, let's see it. I was like, wait, have you had it before? Of course I've had it. It's not already cut? I mean, so I I ate the other half. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> what a guy. Hey, you know, well, I mean, I had to eat. So I, I, I told him, I was like, just cut half, and then I'll pack this because I got to take it. All right, let's try well, it. Well, Marcisco did the same thing when he brought the oxtail. He ate two things, and he ate one plate while he was waiting. Yeah, he did. Well, Marcisco's 315 pounds. Do this guy's 150. Do you have... <laughs> Do <laughs> you have a way that I could get here? You want me to put it on this? Uh, no, you keep, keep your plate for yours and give me the oh, wrapper. The pepper, all right. Problem okay. solving. Now, what's, have you had any of the pickled, pickled vegetables at uh, Cats? I had, oh, actually, yeah. what am I saying? The last time I had Cats was actually this summer. I had a half question? of someone's remaining sandwich, and it was, um, and what I, had, and what I had for the first time, which was delicious, pickled tomatoes. Yeah, they have them, yeah. I never had pickled tomatoes in my life, and they were uh -huh. amazing. 
Yeah, I was going to bring know. the pickles, but I was like, that's a little too much let's, stuff to bring. Let's try this. Do you this. want this uh, a little bit more mustard? How, no? How, no, I'm going to have it the way you, you have Yeah, it. there's mustard on here, so it's, it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Oh. Mm. That's good. Mm. Look, we would make like five sandwiches out of the meat that's on half. Yeah, that's another reason why I didn't eat the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Why is this your favorite? It's old school New York. Mm-hmm. It's one of the last old school New York places. It's still alive. Are there any other old school New York foods that really stand out for you that you have to have when you come visit? I mean, you know, pizza's always great. Mm, is it pizza, know? yeah. Grimaldi's and, and Lombardi's are both mm -hmm. fantastic, you know. I, I've definitely, there's a lot of great steakhouses here, you know. I mean, you know, the good thing about New York is uh, there's food, fantastic food. What about sweets or anything? Oh, that was the other thing I was going to bring you. If the traffic wasn't bananas in no. Times Squares, I would have went to, uh, I was going to bring crack pie from Milk Bar, but now it's Momofuku, Momofuku Milk Bar. Yeah, never had but, that. What? Oh. I've had milk now, bar stuff, never crack pie. Now it's called, it's not called crack pie anymore. It's called milk bar, maybe? Or Momofuku bar? Why is it not PC enough? We're about to get canceled for calling yeah, it crack bar? I think that so. Yeah. Crazy. I think so. <laughs> I think so, man. They were, yeah. yeah. And I was like, what? That's the perfect name for it because it is like crack. What's yeah. in it? It's, it's like a buttery. Good, I can't even explain I gotta it, man. Try that, yeah, man. it's just delicious, man. But it's also something, you know, it's unique to mm -hmm. to Momofuku Milk Bar. Do you, so, do you know who Momofuku is? Yeah. The, so, well, I don't know his history. Yeah, David Chang, I think, is the the owner of Momofuku. Mm -hmm. If I may say that right, I'm screwing that up. I'm sorry, internet. But anyway, there no, was. No, yeah, uh, you're right. It is David Chang. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. See, that's what I thought. So. Um, one of his chefs used to make desserts for everybody in-house kind of thing, just for the, the, the staff. Yeah. And they were like, dude, this is delicious, you know? Mm -hmm. And he was like, Yo, I'll back you to, to open a place. And they opened up Momofuku Milk Bar. I didn't know that was Milk Bar. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And so she is the, the, I guess, the owner slash uh, spearhead of that Momofuku Milk Bar. Gotcha. And they have just delicious treats and stuff, but um, it's just it's just unique, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I can think of a bunch of, you know, Magnolia cupcakes or... No, know, not cupcakes, it's a banana pudding. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's well, crack. I mean, there's so many things yeah. that, you know, and, and that's the one thing I loved about New York. You know, you could go... I think my most incredible dining experience was Al's Diner, I think it is, uh, in Queens. And that was, I discovered that one because Anthony Bourdain and Andrew Zimmern did the show yeah. together in yeah. New York. And they went to that place. It was an Egyptian place. And the, the way that he was describing the food was just unbelievable, you know, in the show. And they yeah. both were like, this is amazing. This is amazing. I was no, like, that, okay. that, that, I, when I lived in Queens, I lived right across the street from that spot. On, really? on Steinway Street. Yeah, I don't remember. I haven't been. We should go. They, no, it's literally, it's down the block. It's like a block and a half down from um, Astoria Boulevard. Yeah, yeah, it's, but so that was another funny experience. I was there with Eddie, Eddie Q. <laughs> Shout out to Eddie and, Q. Uh, we go all the way to Queens. At first of all, I was like, you know, let's go to the Egyptian place in Queens. He was like, what? And I was like, yo, this is bomb, you know. So we get there, and all of a sudden, it's closed. During a time, it's supposed to be open as hell, you know. And then all of a sudden, I hear this, 
And I look over at a shisha bar across the street. And he's like, come here, come here. And I'm like, me? You know? I go over there and I realize that's the dude from the show. It's his place. And he's like, oh, you're trying to eat? And I was like, yeah, I'm trying to eat. Is you supposed to be over right now? He's like, oh, let me finish this shisha. And I'll go up. I was like, finish the shisha? <laughs> I like, what are you talking about right now? That's like going to be an hour. He's like, yeah, come back in an hour. And I was like, oh, my God. So then I had to go to Eddie. I was like, yo, we got to wait an hour. He's like, no, man. I was like, no, we're here. Let's just wait an hour. Yeah. And we had uh, sheep testicles. What? Yeah, man. Sheep testicles. Um, sheep. I, I thank God you didn't bring that today. Yeah. Lamb brain. I would try that. And sweetbreads. You know what oh, that yeah, is? Oh, yeah. That's the uh, intestines or? No, it's a gland, some kind of. Some I keep on hearing different things about sweetbreads, like yeah. w- different things. I guess it's organ organ mix, right? It's a, it's a gland of some sort, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> and everything. And, and you know what? He was explaining. So were, were the nuts delicious? No, that was the worst dish. <laughs> it was the worst dish, no doubt. <laughs> Uh, but it wasn't the the fact it you know it was like just not that it, the texture of it almost tastes like hot dog a little bit yeah okay but it was definitely you know like I've had Rocky Mountain oysters before yeah well yeah Rocky yeah. Mountain oysters really well that's also testicles yeah no yeah and, but that's like deep fried you know it's can we tell what it yeah, is yeah you can't tell what it is after that you know it's, anything's good fried but this was like straight up testicle slice you know. Yeah, and that was a little hard to <laughs> process a little bit. And the brain looked like brain from like the textbook. I heard, I heard brains are kind of sweet. It was delicious, man. Sweet yeah. bread was, and, and the way after, he, and that was another thing. He was like, what do you want? And I was like, I have no idea. You know, I was like, I don't want anything that I'm going to order. I want you to fix. Mm, and, yeah. I was, and I told him, I was like, I want the experience that you gave those guys. Yeah. You know, and he's like, okay. And he was excited about that. And he came out and explained the dish with so much passion that you felt it. You know, mm. he was like, this brain, this is the Egyptian, northern Egyptian, blah, blah, blah. This comes with this, this certain spice that's only from here and here from there. You oh, know? that's and awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and like the, his description. That of, like convinced you to eat some nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> I was gobbling them nuts up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's another, we got to add that. We got to, yeah, like to do like two reels. Exactly. Yeah. Listen, man. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. I know we're gonna do some more stuff together. Obviously, you're you're a fisherman. You're gonna start doing climbing. Yeah. Outsiders do all that stuff. Yeah. And I saw that you're repelling. Yeah, we're yeah. repelling. And you're supposed to go up and not down. I told you that. Man. <laughs> uh, but I guess we should definitely do some cultural stuff too. Maybe maybe yeah. talk about coming on some of these international trips. But we I should love maybe that. plan something where encompassing fishing. Yeah. Climbing, cultural foods and stuff. Let's do a. a yeah. And your your company. Shout out your company name. Wish for fish. Wish with the number four fish. Wish for fish. Okay, yeah. and that's where you can find be found on Instagram on every, as well. Every Everything. form of social media. Well, let's know, let's uh, get some stuff where I know because you shoot content. Um, yeah. Let's get together. I would love that. And love uh, that. you know, Bam's got to get you out there too. I, I know we're yeah. always doing stuff in here, but I'd love to have you come out on the road with us, man. That'd be fun. Yeah, I love your commentary. By I mean, the way. I love what you're doing right now, man. You you reinvented yourself in such a positive uh, outlet that fits perfectly with you, and, and you're so stoked about it. And, and <laughs> thanks. And what you're doing is a great service for a lot of people that don't have the means or the way to do those kind of things, you yeah. know. And uh, and like you said, you know, it's it's teaching these guys to pass that knowledge on to the next generation or their kids or whatever it may be, you know, yeah. and uh, I think it's great, you know. Thank I, you. I, I dig what, all the stuff you're doing. 
Appreciate it. matter of fact, you, you're going to Iceland, man. That's I go to fish in Iceland every year. You do. Well, oh, maybe yeah. we should get you on this trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. Um, I could get you guys fishing if you want. We, we might, yeah, it might be interesting, yeah. Because yeah. uh, we have a couple of off days. We like to incorporate off days so people can explore on their own. Oh. So maybe on one of those days, we can, we can set that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But we'll have to have you back, whether it's back on this show or, you know, doing something where we're out on the road and doing these activities and, and, and exploring the cultural side of some of these yeah. locations or whatever. So, I would love that, yeah. Uh, let's that. do that. But I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Okay, thank you. Thank Is you there anything else you want to say? You. No, no, I've said too much. I'm just going to eat this. Yeah, all right, same here. I'm hungry, so <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Thank you.